pretty good. It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to It's Not an Allegory. I'm Pam. This is my lovely, lovely, beautiful co-host, Erin. Hi. And we're here to talk about why it's not an allegory. Because it's life. That's right. So we talk a lot about books and art and philosophy and music, but mostly Jesus. So stay tuned for more Jesus speaking. But today, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm we're so excited. We're talking about one of Aaron's favorite topics, one of the topics that actually came up when we started this podcast. Probably the reason we started this podcast, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, probably. This of is it. A, the subject of probably a daily rant for myself. It is. Um, so at least daily. That's your little teaser for what the episode's gonna be like. But first, Aaron, what am I drinking? Aaron forgot to look. All right, well, <laughs> thank goodness I saved us, and I wrote down what Hold we on. would be drinking. Let me look at your notes. Here we go. Pam, well, you are drinking. This is a re- real teaser here. I'm so sorry, guys. We planned this so late at night. I was getting a massage and was kind of dying because my back is absolutely messed up. So you kind of did all the podcast planning on this. Let's be did. But grateful for it. So, Pam, you kind of know what we're drinking, but we are drinking an El Salvador milk chocolate honey grape roast from Metal Art Coffee Roasters. Totally is a sponsor now. (laughs) She's really hyped about that. I'm so pumped about that. Thanks, Travis. This coffee is really good. A little bit of a clarification there. um, El Salvador coffee, it's El Salvador honey. It should have milk chocolate. El Salvador honey, yeah. It has, like, Um, milk chocolate tones. tones, Grape grape tones. tones. And... Mm-hmm. Honey tones. So, El Salvador honey. It's very, very tasty. If you're looking to mm. get into coffee or if you're sick of buying Folgers from Walmart, please talk to Travis. He sells in one pound and half pound bags, varying prices depending on what your roast is. But like the one pound's usually around $16 and half pound's about half that. So, check him out. Those co- that coffee's so good. All ethically sourced and Local roasters, like that's the best. This is pretty good. This is really good. <laughs> really Man, like this. I, I hope he doesn't expect us to like rank mm. them or anything. Because honestly, Cause every put, week we're just gonna say this is the yeah. best. You put any coffee in front of me, and I'm just gonna be content. That's heck, a lie. But well, okay, and you put any good coffee in front. Yeah, of there me. we go. We know bad coffee when we yeah. drink it. Timmy's. Timmy's. Just Timmy's. And like, dining hall coffee's not great. I drink yeah, it because it's like, I don't you know drink what, that. coffee's coffee. It's just, you know, it, it could be better. Sick. I, I understand. For the sake of yeah. lots of people, uh, it's got to be weaker. You know, if it was stronger, it'd probably taste a little bit better. But yeah. I get it. I do get it. It is totally fair why the dining hall coffee is good. You know what? Cafeteria coffee just can never be good. It's not allowed to be. I feel like there's just a rule. Mm-hmm. It's an unwritten rule. It's the 11th commandment that you just can't have good. I had good cafeteria coffee one time. It was at what? EA Games, like the headquarters for um, Electronic Arts. Mm. Yeah. Um, they also have a. In, it's actually the snobbiest place I've ever been. But Wow. Um, and they actually had good coffee? They had good coffee. They had, like, in the cafeteria, they have, like, an actual sushi chef who, mm. eat, like, makes your sushi in front of you. Whoa. Like, oh, so, like, hibachi. Yeah. Hibachi chef kind of style yeah, stuff. But wow. It's in a cafeteria. Bruh. And, like,. That's insane. You want fire grilled pizza? Go for it. 
we got that in the cafeteria too. And you want homemade like how much money are they sinking into this cafeteria? My dude, EA Games was an alternate reality. I'm not kidding. Bruh. Like, I walked in and it kind of felt like a like it's a business place. There's fancy. It's in Vancouver, so there's fancy sports cars everywhere. Oh yeah, and classic the, Vancouver. Yeah, I know, right? And like the only parking, Vancouver would be extra enough to have you know. the nicest cafeteria ever as an EA Games cafeteria. But it all gets better. So oh, the go? the car parking garage is full of sports cars. You get in the building. Some people are dressed in suits. Some people show up in jeans and a nerdy T-shirt. Some people are still in their pajamas with wow. Pikachu all over was it. That you? You're just going to work. No, I I was dressed nicer than some of the employees going. And then like people with dreads That's and incredible. people who definitely like fell asleep at their desk. It sounds and very Vancouver. It's so great. But then I went up to my uncle's office. My uncle works for EA Games, and there's they have standing desks. But they have, like, adjustable standing desks and really nice chairs, so you can, like, kind of, like, adjust where you feel like sitting or standing. Anyway, I look closer, and there's a Nerf gun on my uncle's desk. My Nerf gun, my uncle's a director of the department, or, like, head of the department. Wow. Um, and I look at his desk, I'm like, why is there a Nerf gun on your desk? He reaches over and shoots the guy across the room and says, that's why. Then, guy across the room. That's from a movie. That's from The Office. But then, guy, like... No, get, you did not experience this. No. Yes, I did. But then he pulls out a giant rifle Nerf under gun. his desk, like a giant rifle Nerf gun, Thank and you. just okay. goes for it. And he's oh just like, goodness. and then like one did of the, the other guy pull out a yeah, Nerf gun. Everybody in the entire office space had at least three Nerf guns at their. How desk. did I become an employee at this place? Word of mouth, mostly. Can I'm you, not kidding. Could you? Can yep. You? Yeah. 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 And Tell so, them like, hey, aspiring oh, young artist. Wild. And then she I, loves Jesus. That might not be relevant to EA yeah, games. They might not, not care. Relevant. Your uncle might care. Yeah. I don't know. But, but he's not in the hiring department, and really, he's not involved with art. He's involved with the making but like sure that it designs, doesn't crash. Graphics kind of stuff. I want to get into that. It's so, pretty fun because that's like the way you can sustainably Although, make a living as an artist is getting into but graphics. I watched and design. someone por- <sighs> program a spotlight to go across the EA game symbol. I watched it move a centimeter. And it took her half an hour. Oh my goodness, I would rather die. Yeah. Oh my word. There's another girl whose entire job is just designing fonts. Oh. I don't have nice enough writing for that. Also, there... My sister could do that. There was a lot of people who had, like, nerdy stuff all over their desk. Like, one girl had, like, a... Like, probably a foot-tall statue of Wonder Woman on our desk. And so that then, was your best friend? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, drawings of, like, just different superheroes on sticky notes all around her, like, dress desk. It was the most if wonderful you ever have an office job, that will be you. That, that's my goal, is honestly EA Games, working there. And then, like, yeah. You know what I'll do? I will just set up a Nerf gun cart stand mm-hmm. in the cafeteria. And I'll make bank. You probably would. I'm not. My dream job is. They have like be a Nerf gun distributor, dude. Walking (gasps) through that facility was the weirdest thing. They have nap rooms. You can go there and take a nap. I'll be a Nerf gun distributor, Pam. Do it. (laughs) I just picture like a little cart, like in a Turkish bazaar, like just you know, it's like the falafel man, and then there's the the. the shish kebab man and all these different men with their carts and then there's me with my nerf gun cart i see nothing better i see no downside to this none 
Oh, but dude, this oh, EA offices had like nap rooms. You can go and take a nap on company time. They have a pet groomer. You can take your pet to get like cleaned up while you're there. They have guitar lessons. You can go and take some time out of your date and go play guitar. They have like a bunch of weight rooms. This is not they have a real two company. soccer this courts. They have club. like a couple gyms. Where, for, like, basketball, they have tennis courts, they have yoga rooms, they have, like, everything. So I love this so much. But you remember we have a podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's well, the thing. We should work. I'm going to work at EA, and that's what you need to know. <laughs> and EA has good coffee in their cafeteria. That's how we got down this round yes. hole. Wow. I'm so sorry, everyone. Actually, I'm not sorry. That was hilarious. That's my life. This is pretty much every conversation with me and Pam ever. We never actually finish a story. We just mm-hmm. get distracted by one that is a mm-hmm. sub-story, and then we just sub-sub-sub it is just exponentially yeah. more insane. I apologize for the lack of organization in my brain. Anyway, All right. we do have a podcast. So, Pam, what is your favorite redemption arc? Whoa, that's a loaded question. A to- total topic change. <laughs> yep. Give me a second. No um, segues. No We're just segues. going right None. into it. Um... Okay, my favorite redemption arc. Um, okay, I'm a sucker for a good redemption arc. Um, one of these is gonna- I have two, and one of them is gonna probably be a hot take, because I don't know if people would see it as a redemption arc. My first one is Loki, from the Avengers. Um, especially in Ragnarok and Mm. Infinity War. And that progression, where you basically see, um- how much Thor genuinely cares about his brother Mm -hmm. and how Loki ends up sacrificing himself for his brother, which is the complete opposite of what it would have been at the beginning beginning when he was trying to kill his brother all the time. So I think, yeah, Loki's my favorite. That might also come because I just love Loki. I really do. I'm that person. Um, You love Loki also... Like, the reason I do, because Tom Hiddleston is a great actor. He is a great actor. Yeah, and I has great cheekbones. Oh, he does. Man, those are iconic cheekbones, mm-hmm. just saying. It's true. If you've never noticed Tom Hiddleston's cheekbones, go and Google it right now, because you will see a whole bunch of screaming fangirls, and it's hilarious. I don't know if that's worth Googling. It might not be worth Googling. Never mind. Ignore that recommendation. It was not a recommendation. Um, just, just ignore that. We'll, we'll cut that out in post, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, probably not. But then... Another one I really like is The Winter Soldier. Actually, these are all Marvel. Uh, Can you tell arcs. that Pam's a little bit of a nerd about Marvel? I am a little bit. I think that's just such a good <sighs> redemption arc. Um, you see him just struggling, especially in uh, Civil War at the beginning, when he's just kind of trying to figure out how to blend in, and he's mm. failing miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, I just and I really like watching him just kind of struggle with his past and his grief, and then also just kind of become a hero in the end that's pretty great mm-hmm. let's be honest i love it okay um, oh but Sorry. i have one more you have one more oh my goodness and i said favorite and you're giving me three but it's a hot take okay give me the hot take tony stark where oh does Cause... that involve having watched endgame yeah. Okay. Well, but also just him through the entire. Yeah. You know how behind I, I am. I know. I know. I'm really. I haven't seen help. Captain Marvel. I haven't seen Endgame. I haven't seen Spider Man Homecoming, Far From Home, or whatever yeah. it is. I've seen Homecoming. You haven't seen Far one? From Home. Yeah, I've seen. I, I watched like six Marvel movies in a weekend. 
a few years ago, and that was the last Marvel movie I'd watched. That was right before Infinity Wars came out, so that shows you where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And we went and watched Infinity Wars in theater, and, and, and then I just haven't watched any since. Well, Tony Stark has a great redemption arc. I'll just have to take your you, word for it. You, I can't argue with you. Well, you, you don't know what hot it. take there is. You can start to see it just throughout the movies. Like, in the first movie, he's yeah. just the most arrogant, awful human. He's he doesn't so, actually yeah, so care mean. about anyone. And you see him slowly start to care pe- for people throughout Let's the movie. Let's be just because of Pepper Potts. It is because of Pepper Potts, 100%. But also, like, he has friends, which is a first for him. because Somebody other Someone than Rhodey was to... willing to put up with him. <laughs> yeah. Someone who's willing to tolerate... Someone other than Jarvis who tolerates uh-huh. his sarcasm. That's just because he's programmed to. But yeah, those are probably my top three. They're all from Marvel, but because- that's probably just because I watch Marvel all the time. So yeah. Okay. So now, this is going to be amusing. What is your least favorite redemption arc? Ah! Severus Snape from <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh, you Talk heathen about, watching Harry Potter? Uh, I'm kidding. I've also watched and stupid, read Harry Potter. Stupid redemption arc. So explain. Oh, man. Okay, he's just such a creep. He's an absolute jerk. He's abusive to kids. He is obsessive over someone who's dead, takes out his old grudges on these kids, bullies them all into actual literal fear. That is the biggest fear that Neville Longbottom has. Is his teacher. Is his teacher. That's not how it's supposed to be. I'm sorry. Also, we just assume that, like, it's okay for him to just be absolutely creepy and, um part of a racist group that is all for killing anybody who is not of a pure bloodline and he's just like yeah i'm gonna join these because these guys bullied me as a kid yeah what no i'm sorry no (laughs) and yeah it's just so dumb also the fact that harry named his kid after snape like snape bullied him for most but he did he had good reason right because of that one line at the end you have your mother's eyes. Yeah. That makes everything okay. Yeah, no, it doesn't. That's that's not a redemption arc. That is just bad writing and... Ooh. Going after J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I am. I didn't think I, you would do I, that. I, I did. I didn't think I would either. But yeah, it's bad I mean, I writing. It's bad character development. Draco Malfoy had a better option for a story arc because it was... He was being manipulated and forced into a life he He's didn't want child. by his father. He's Snape a child. is a fully yeah. grown adult man. Snape is like in his late 60s. No, okay. No, he's not supposed okay. to be though. Okay. Fair enough. If you're going book Snape, book Fair. Snape is probably, he'd be the same age as Lily and Okay, James. yeah, then so 40s-ish. 30s. Late 30s. Late 30s? They're, they were super young when they oh. had Harry. They were like 18 or 19. Oh, my land. Because they were just fresh out of okay. school. Yeah, fair enough. So like they were like okay. maybe 20, So and it's okay. been... 15 years. Still, like, so, like you're mid to late 30s. Mid to late 30s, go to therapy. Like, good <laughs> yeah, grief. Grow up. That's grow what up. it is. Regardless. That's what this is. There's no excuse for you. There's there's nothing. There's nothing excusable about anything mm-hmm. that he did. He's also described the exact same way every single time in the books. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so sorry for any J.K. Rowling fans. How many of them could there possibly be on this campus? Not that many. We're about to show our heathen sides. But... I've read the books, and, man, she just doesn't know how to describe people more than one way. She always describes them identical way. And I understand, like, Kate, Charles Dickens will will describe a character in a similar way, but you can tell he's, like, he's trying to make kind of an mm-hmm. inside joke mm-hmm. with the reader. Because mm-hmm. Charles Dickens is a very engaging author, and he's you can tell it's, like, 
oh, he's doing this. Oh, remember that joke I had made mm-hmm. earlier? I'm referencing. It's a callback mm-hmm. joke. And it's mm-hmm. actually very good comedy. J.K. Rowling, it does not have any callback joke to it. It's just kind of like she just couldn't think of another way to describe Dolores Umber- Umbridge other than just a toad who had just swallowed a great big fly. Like, or Snape. Which was a fitting. Snape with greasy black curtains for hair that hung, that framed mm-hmm. his face. Like, that's way described mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. There's better ways to do that, you know? Yep. So she's not a great author. I Like, she did come up with a good story. Obviously, mm-hmm. it sold millions of dollars mm-hmm. worth in books, right? You can't deny she wrote a good story that kids enjoyed. Uh, but she's just not very good at telling that story. Mm-hmm. She's not a good author. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're moving on from that because mm-hmm. this has been a wild beginning to this podcast. Yeah, We can maybe just put a disclaimer. Just skip to minute 16 and you'll be mm-hmm. fine. Um, so... We're talking about how every story is the same story. And that seems like a very confusing statement. But let us explain. It's my favorite thing ever. We're talking about allegories. We're just talking about the allegory of every single story ever told. And how, okay, I've read or heard or something, I could be totally wrong on this, but there's really only about 36 different outcomes to every single story written. Mm -hmm. In a literature sense, sure. From a Jesus sense, there's only one. There's only ever one story. What is that story? The Jesus wins. All right. (laughs) Yeah. It's my favorite ever. So we're going to talk about how certain stories, mostly we're going to try and focus on pop culture, but I'm not up on pop culture, so I'm kind of relying on Pam for that. But how stories that we are familiar with, secular stories, stole it. From Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm um, so ready for so this. So basically, the thought behind this was um, the idea of general revelation. If you don't know what general revelation is, it's basically that God has given us eyes, for one, and just a conscience, and uh, all these like basic blessings that we've been given as humans that point to a need for redemption. Mm. Um, for point salvation. to him. Point they to point a creator, to right? And... It's enough to convict you, not to save you. So disclaimer here, like what we're about to talk about, we're not saying that you're going to find the gospel in the Avengers. No. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that humanity basically, in my opinion, um, has this basic understanding that we need a savior. Mm. Something is wrong with us. Something is wrong with the human race. Something is wrong with the planet. Something is wrong with fill in the blank. And something needs to be saved. Mm -hmm. And someone has to save someone, Mm -hmm. you know, like take their place. That's, Mm -hmm. that, that trope is straight from scripture and stolen. (laughs) And like, sometimes that is like a redemption art for those who don't deserve it. Mm. Like Loki definitely does not deserve it. Or Severus Snape um, (laughs) definitely didn't deserve it. Um, and some, and often it involves somebody sacrificing themselves for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that person, again, didn't really deserve it. I think of, um, in Guardians of the Galaxy when, uh, wow, another Marvel reference, when they're asking why it would, why would you want to save the planet? And he says, cause I'm one of the idiots who lives in it. And mm. that's the most genuine actual thing. He just, it's not cause they deserve it. It's just cause they need to live. And that's the thought process there. So it's an, even that innate idea of there's human beings who are valuable because mm-hmm. of something. 
Yeah. Because they exist, they have some value. There's mm-hmm. something there that gives us innate worth. Yeah. Of something. For right? something. And we would look at that and be like, it's called the image of God. And it's imprinted. Our His fingerprints are all over creation, but especially in mankind, because mm-hmm. we are made in his image. And that gives this value from one to another. And mm-hmm. the sense of total depravity and God's... Uh, total justification and just maybe smiting us all off yeah. the globe. That's that's a different part of that. But, yes, but innate worth. Deep down, mm. we all know that, like, we there needs to be saving. And you even look around at, like, the things that mm. worry our people, like, people around us. Like, we're worried about climate change. We're worried about racism. We're worried about... Economy. Like, economy. All these things are things that we should be worried about. And I will be... Right there. Worried about? Our, or, okay, we're not worried about. They're things we should be talking about. Yeah. Okay. And discussing yeah. and trying to prevent <laughs> when we can. Mm-hmm. But I'm all for recycling, but I know this world's coming to an end. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, we know it's going attitude. to end. But, like, it's not our duty to just make it go as fast as we can. Yes. It's, and, it's the humbling of, I know yeah. I'm not the one who's mm-hmm. going to save this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, like, mm-hmm. we all know that something needs to be changed and something mm-hmm. needs to be saved. And... I think because we are made in the image of God, we are st- storytellers, we're creative, we're um, oh, absolutely. beings who love seeing this redemption arc. Mm-hmm. It's deep within us. Like, everybody is a sucker for this redemption arc. That's why m- Marvel movies and superhero movies and even Disney cartoons make millions of dollars. It's because somebody needs to get saved, and we can see it. And this is why everyone's frustrated with uh, an ending... With, I guess maybe like a, a sad ending mm-hmm. or a bad like an ending mm-hmm. where the good guy doesn't win. Mm-hmm. Everyone always has this like sense of that's that's unsatis mm-hmm. dissatisfying. Yeah, there's something that doesn't work that doesn't fit right. It doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And it might be a well written story. Mm-hmm. I even think of like I don't know anything by Edgar Allan Poe. It's dark. It's kind of like well that or even mm-hmm. I've I, in school I had to read some things by Stephen King mm-hmm. and I'm like this is ridiculous like. Sure, it's written well, but that's not a good ending because mm-hmm. we have this, and we, and we've in literature we've attributed it to the romantic genre, not mm-hmm. like the lovey-dovey whatever romance, mm-hmm. but but in terms of literature, mm-hmm. a romantic ending is one that has a good, good ending where the hero wins. Yeah, that's romance. That's the romance genre. That is always just more fulfilling. It's mm-hmm. like that's right. That feels right. Mm-hmm. The good guy got what he wanted. Um, yeah, and and he deserved it. Yeah, right? you're never reading Edgar Allan Poe for an ending. You're reading it because no. it's a You're reading it because you're probably a nerd, like a, a literature nerd, or you're like oh, me that. and you just love ravens. Yeah. I, I love ravens. Love raven Edgar is Allan my Poe. dream pet. I want a raven. Anyways, that's total um, aside. Give us some, let's get some examples. Secular, secular things that have stolen Jesus's story. Um, so Endgame was one I thought about, which... Haven't seen it! Haven't seen it, but you know how it ends, and so... Yeah, it's all been spoiled for really me at this point. really your fault at this point. I know, I, I, I can't say... Oh, spoilers, it's been out for, what, like, yeah. two, three years? I don't yeah. even know. <laughs> Everybody on Earth has seen it, but, you know... Except me. Fun. Except for you. Um, but yeah, uh, the storyline of Iron Man giving himself up, um, giving everything he loved up mm. in order to save humanity, save the universe... Um, right. The Hunger Games, that picture of going one person being selected to go and die. On, you know, on behalf of others. Huh, that sounds kind of familiar. Sounds kind of like substitutionary atonement. 
but we can go on. Jungle Book. The Jungle Book. One of my favorites. That's such a good old Disney movie. I love old Disney so much. This is one I've seen. I haven't seen all the Hunger Games either, but that's my fault. Anyways. <laughs> that's even older. Jungle Book literally quotes scripture at the end, because this was the, the good days of Disney. It does in the book, too. It does in the book. That's right. Uh, because, like, Baloo mm-hmm. fights off the tiger to protect mm-hmm. Mowgli, and he dies. Well, we think he's dead, right? And mm-hmm. then Bagheera comes and says, Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. John fifteen fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's how I memorized that verse, was because it was in Jungle Book. How cool is that? I love that so much. And it's like, oh. The CEOs at Disney are rolling over in their, like, graves. their graves. No, they're, they're dead, dead at dead. this point. They're totally dead at this yeah, point. Oh, probably. This was 1970s yeah. Disney. So the people who wrote it are rolling over in their graves. Well, Disney, Walt Disney that. was still alive at this point, and he did have Catholic background. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. I can't say. I don't mm-hmm. know enough about the life of Disney. Mm-hmm. But he definitely had a sense. Mm-hmm. He knew the gospel. At some point, he was told something about this, and he'd probably read that scripture and thought, wow, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Dang right it's beautiful, because scripture is a work of art. Absolutely it is. From a purely objective, secular standpoint, even. But that's a totally different conversation. We're really scatterbrained <laughs> this morning. Continue, Pam. Um, I wrote The Hunger Games twice. That's a time. That shows um, about how good our planning session went. Superman, um, just consistently in... Especially Man of Steel, it almost bothered me how many um, times that they tr- tried to equate Superman and Jesus, even in, like, how he was flying. It was just a weird time. Man of Steel is a great movie. I recommend but, it. But, hey, but Jesus also, called, and yeah. he wants his story back. <laughs> Quote of Aaron Tykrib. Austin Tykrib. Er, Austin Tykrib, 2021. I'm Aaron, yeah, my last I'm name awake. is not Tykrib. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, this... That trope of just, like, some insanely powerful figure coming Mm. to Earth and living a normal life and repeatedly having to almost sacrifice himself Mm -hmm. to save the world. Yep. Um, This idea, I need a hero. mm -hmm. I'm holding out for a hero. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally pagan music. Um, Superman. So, yeah, that one. Um, Star Wars, which... Kind of hurt me to write down, or write down because it's very, very pagan and New Age if you think about it. So, but, so many New Age allegories there, but. but the story of Anakin going through life and um, ending up having to like become the, he is the chosen one, the one who's going to save everybody. Takes on evil. He ends up else, sacrificing but... himself. I was thinking more like um, the guy who flew the plane into the specific mm-hmm. spot where it would blow up. The, the, oh shoot. I haven't watched Star Wars in a long time. Yeah, Death... So, like, that's earlier episodes. There's some tropes there. I don't know. It's been a while since I watched Star Wars. I'm sorry for the Star Wars nerds who are like, what is she talking about? I don't know. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) One other that we thought of, and this is probably going to be slightly controversial, but Hercules! Um, I thought of that one because he he goes and... And he is willing to give himself up mm-hmm. to go and save her, to drag her out mm-hmm. of the miry depths mm-hmm. of hell. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're getting into some ransom theology there as well. Very much bit. buyback from the devil, but that's, we're going to ignore that for a mm-hmm. second. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we will. Um, but goes and takes her. And that's, this is where you get maybe a little more Mormon theology. Maybe. Because then he's offered God. These aren't meant to be good enough. No, no, you're not supposed to read much into them. We're just making the point of like, 
they stole this from Jesus. Like, they took it and they maybe twisted it or, like, but they took mm-hmm. these ideas from Scripture because of general revelation. Anyways, like, he's offered Godship yeah. because of his good deeds. Yeah. So that's very, very Mormon. Yeah. Which is funny because it's a Greek story. <laughs> oh, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? Nope. 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 What a shock. Um. So, yeah, basically, <laughs> these are just some examples that we thought of that um, the gospel is basically a need that humanity is crying out for. Mm. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's seen even in secular, as secular as you can get, like, literally Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You can still see a need for balance and for restoration mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for atonement. Okay, let's so, talk about Christian ones. Yes. They, obviously, you probably were listening and you're like, you're missing some pretty important ones. Lord of the Rings! Very important. Now Aaron gets to nerd out. So I get to Aaron, nerd out. What were some examples that you thought of that were <laughs> obvious allegories for redemption? I said it too soon. I said it too soon. Um, okay. Like Christian ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Samwise Gamgee mm. is totally a Jesus, a My Jesus hero. type, a Jesus type because he is the one who, <clears throat> in a sense, like. Uh, there's a lot of different kind of Jesus types, I guess. Mm-hmm. Frodo, because he carries the ring. He carries mm-hmm. the burden of sin and destroys mm-hmm. it. Okay, that's a, that's a type of Jesus in that mm-hmm. sense, in the allegorical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Samwise, because he supports the one who's mm-hmm. under the weight of sin, right? And and he's he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of that that theme there. Gandalf, because he dies and, and is resurrected. And he comes back to life for, for the sake of others, right? Um, he defeats... This evil, right? Mm-hmm. Not all of evil at once, but that evil mm-hmm. of the Balrog. So there's different Jesus types within that. That's why it's, come on, Tolkien, this was an allegory. Don't even try to pretend it wasn't, right? Um, obviously, they fall like they fall apart. You don't read mm-hmm. into it too much because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't hold up, right? It's not meant to be this exact replica of the story. Uh, a really great one, highly recommend these stories. I read them as a kid. Max Licato, he wrote a bunch of stories about um, a, a little... A little wooden puppet village, wooden village. I don't mm-hmm. know. These people are made of wood. Uh, and the one main character's name is Punchinello. And Punchinello is very good friends with Eli, the carpenter, who lives at the top of the hill. And Eli is the one who made him and all of his friends. And Punchinello makes all these mistakes. And, and the one I remember the most is, like, he was trying to, like, the, the, the thing in the town, like, the new trend mm-hmm. was collecting dots like circles and squares and Mm -hmm. like everyone was just collecting all these treasures all the time and and he got so overwhelmed and fell down and then he went to Eli and he's like Eli I can't even walk because I'm trying to carry all my all my little boxes and and circles and things and Eli just takes them and throws them out and says you know what you are not defined by how many circles and squares you own like that's that's not where your treasure is and he just goes and hangs out in Eli's shop. And it's just so sweet. That's one story. They're just so beautiful. Because mm-hmm. as a kid who knew Jesus, I would just read that. And I would just feel like the loving arms of my father were being wrapped around me. Because I saw in visual, right? Like this beautifully illustrated. Oh, bless Max Licato. So good. Like, I'm a visual person. So I would see this visual image of this sweet, kind old man. And you could just see the love in his eyes. The artist was brilliant. To capture that, right? Uh, and you could, ju- and you knew it was like, oh, that's like mm-hmm. my father in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's it's trying to tell me something mm-hmm. about God, mm-hmm. and about who I who I trust in, mm-hmm. and it's giving me this this help. It's a helpful tool, 
mm-hmm. to help me understand more about how Jesus mm-hmm. saves me and how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. My favorite one of all. Very intentionally chose the right mugs. Not because anyone else could see them, because this is a podcast. <laughs> but because I love it. Narnia mugs. I have a mug with a lamppost on it, and I have a mug that says, I'd rather be in Narnia when it, when you put hot liquids into it. So we're talking about Narnia. <laughs> and I love Narnia so much. And bam, how how do I narrow this down? I could rant about Narnia for hours and hours and hours. Oh, so ask me questions, because I want to talk about it. Alright. So... <laughs> And I'm intentionally just kind of asking you very vague questions. Yeah. I just mostly want to see where you go with it. So, in what ways is Narnia an allegory? Huh. It's so broad. Yeah. Oh, my word, Pam. In what ways is it an we allegory? We can focus on, like... No, actually, I'm not even going to focus uh, on ones. Just think of random examples of allegorical, allegorical truth. about Narnia. Okay, Aslan. Mm-hmm. The big, shining, obvious one. Mm-hmm. He is the son of the emperor over the sea. But he is also the emperor over the sea. We mm-hmm. see that from Silver Chair. Um, I'm so sorry if you haven't read Narnia. That's your fault at this point. They're like 60 years old. 70 years old now. Go read them. Come find me. I have them all here. I have them right in front of me, actually. I have a big volume set. So, there is no excuse for you. But, <laughs> okay, Aslan... The, the lion, right? The lion of Judah. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the lion of Judah. We see that from scripture. Lewis chose a lion. He is he is shining. He is strong. He is so great. Like, the way people describe meeting Aslan is always the most incredible thing. I love how people describe him. Because, like, oh, I think of my favorite one, Horse and His Boy. Uh, this one is, is a beautiful allegory for people meeting Jesus. Um, he He's lost in the dark. He has no idea where he is. It's cold and he is he is weeping over his whole sad, sad childhood where he was raised by a cruel fisherman and he only just found out that he's actually a Narnian and like he's on his way back to where his family, like or a Narnian or an Arkenlander. He's something northern. He doesn't belong there. Already this sense of like, we don't belong on this <laughs> earth. We're strangers and exiles, sojourners, right? So he, he left and now he's lost and miserable and he's been, and he's he's looking at all how uh, the unluckiness of his life, and he says, e- even just how many times I've been chased by lions. Mm-hmm. Most people would be unfortunate enough to meet once, and I've met at least four. Mm-hmm. And this creature next to him that he's talking to, he has no clue who it is. He can't see it. It's misty and it's dark. And there's someone talking to him, and and he's just like, and and this creature says, oh, there was only one, but he was swift of foot. And he's like, sorry, how would you know that? And he's like, started to freak out because this mysterious giant creature thing just (laughs) knows his life story. And he says, because I was the lion. I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. Mm -hmm. I was the cat who comforted you along the tombs. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last miles so that you should reach King Loon in time and save all of Arkenland and Narnia. And I was the lion that you do not remember, who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to a shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. And then the mist rolls away and the sun comes out and there is this golden lion in front 
of, of well, at that time we know him as Shasta, but, and Shasta fell down at his feet. And the lion went and gave him just a little lion's kiss, just a flick of the tongue on his head, and he felt new strength in him. Wow! Like, that is just one story from Narnia in which I'm Lewis... just marveling from the fact that you have that memorized. Like, that is verbatim from the book. I hope you all are very impressed with me. <laughs> or you could pray for me because that's so sad. Yeah, I love... I love that story so much. It's probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Horse and his boy is so good. And, oh man, like, he he's just so comforted by this lion. How how ironic is that? Like, like usually you'd find comfort in mm-hmm. a lamb, which a lamb does show up and boys it on Treader, and then it turns into a lion. That's yep. a whole other side. But, like, Aslan goes and points out where he was sovereign in Shasta's life, and where Shasta thought... I have suffered more than anyone else I know, which he did suffer greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that He had such a sad, pitiable life. Mm-hmm. And then Aslan is the one who's like, but look at how I was the one who orchestrated it to be exactly how it was supposed to be. And so that you might be a savior of Narnia. Like, mm-hmm. so that he, he was the one who went and, and preached a gospel of, not gospel, but like, hey... Mm-hmm. There's an enemy coming, and you need to fly to your gates and close them so that your people might be protected. And our, and it totally foiled Rabidash's plan mm-hmm. because of one little slave boy. Mm-hmm. Because the strength of Aslan, right? And, and you just see it, it woven throughout this whole story. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I love it so much. Now, there's one other allegory I want in you do address the one from we... *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Yeah, are we going *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*? Yeah, okay, that's like okay, that's the subtle allegory. This is the blazon. Like Aslan takes Edmund's place on the stone table and dies a traitor's death mm-hmm. for the sake of one little boy who spat in his face, essentially, who spat in his family's face. He betrayed them and went to the White Witch and told them everything. Told her everything so that she could go and try and and just foil Aslan's plan. The deep magic, right? That's the deep magic that's been put in place by the Emperor Beyond the Sea, which we've already established is Aslan. And she wants to foil it and, and rule, right? She's, she's trying to rule. And Aslan takes Edmund's place. He was so undeserving. So my favorite redemption arc, Edmund. 100%. I will name my son Edmund just for the sake of how great this redemption arc is. It's actually my list of favorite names. But that's a total aside. Aslan dies, and everyone is just like, well, now what do we do? Well, we'll still try and fight the White Witch, but we can't beat her on our own. And then, when the sun rises, he's back. Because the the witch didn't understand the deep magic. And he comes back to life because he... Because when uh, some... Oh, shoot, I should have... I should remember this. I'm trying to remember what it says in the book. We might be able to find it. Now, we're not going to be able to find it. Uh... When, when an innocent is killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table will crack and even death itself will start working backwards. Because Aslan has power over death. Because he's innocent. He does, he's not deserving of death. Mm-hmm. But takes on... Oh, so good. And then he goes and saves old Narnia. He, kill, he defeats the White Witch. Which now, if, if you're a theology nerd, you're going to be like, well, Aaron, isn't that called ransom theology? In which we, we were bought back from the devil? No, that's not what that is. 
Because first, the first question you need to ask yourself is, does the witch represent the devil or does she represent evil itself? Because it's an allegory. It's very possible. She's just the personification of evil itself. And if you go back to the magician's nephew, that lines up. She, she is the one who, who is the evil. And evil has entered this land. Aslan says that himself when he called creation into beginning. So there's that. But, oh man. All in Arnia. It's just so good. And then, like, you center around this, this pinnacle moment when Aslan died on the stone table. And for the rest of time in Narnia, there's just, there's, no one ever forgets quite. They never quite forget. Mm -hmm. Aslan is the one who delivered Narnia. Mm -hmm. He's the one who brought the four kings and queens to rule and reign over us. He's the one who called Narnia into life at the beginning. And my favorite thing in the world is, is one quote from Magician's Nephew. I'm going to kind of work it into this but like there's there's only one story ever told most because jesus is savior and ruler of all he is the only story and even you could argue a corrupt story that doesn't have a good ending that we mm -hmm. would say a, a, a dissatisfying ending is one that is still taking from the story of scripture and how we twist and we and we corrupt the corruption of creation like you could even tie it there like there's mm -hmm. only ever one story because the song with which he, Aslan, God, called all creation into life, it still hangs in the air and rumbles in the ground. We can't avoid it. We can't pretend that we don't see it. Even in our desperate attempts to make it so that we have other heroes, other mm. saviors, we can't negate, like, we can't forget the fact that we need a savior. Mm -hmm. And then these saviors that we set up for ourselves don't add up. Exactly. Well, like, when we try and analyze the allegory of, like, Tony Stark, it falls apart. Because it he, does. He's a sinful human. And he doesn't come back to life. Mm -hmm. I know he died. Yeah. yeah. Total spoiler. But, like, all these things, they, like, we try and analyze these allegories and they fall apart. It's only because they're pointing towards something. Mm -hmm. Right? They're just part of this, hey, yeah, you like this story? Well, look even further. Look. Look at what this is trying to, to explain to you a little bit better, right? Eli the carpenter, he's just a carpenter, mm -hmm. right? He's not, he's not both the carpenter and one of the wooden mm -hmm. people in the town who's perfect and also uh, the Holy Spirit, right? Like, mm -hmm. like there's no, there's no Trinity aspect to that, but it's trying to just, an allegory will just try and point out maybe one or two aspects of your creator mm -hmm. and, and just maybe explain that a little bit better. Put it in, mm -hmm. not explain it better. That's not what I mean to say. But, like, just show you a different side of it. Show you it in visual or in, like, in stories. We understand things in stories. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do we feel the need to tell stories? Why is there this allegory, the song with which mm -hmm. it was called into life? It still hangs in the air and rumbles in the ground. I could rant about Narnia for a very long time if you let me. But you probably shouldn't let me. I probably won't let you because we record this in the morning. And for some reason, breakfast is early this morning, so I would like to eat food. Fair enough. That is fair <laughs> enough. Um, I didn't even talk about the lamppost. I wanted to talk about the lamppost. I guess we're going to have to do another episode on Narnia. Oh, I guess so. Sorry. The for... grin on Aaron's face right now. She's I'm like, so sorry. Can. I can't. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm heartbroken that we'd have to do another episode about Narnia. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Thank oh you for word. tuning in to this absolutely wild podcast where you listen to me talk about EA Games, which is my future favorite, my dream job. Please, and... uh, if you want to uh, support me in becoming a Nerf gun distributor, come find me somewhere. Mm-hmm. I anyway. will take all the support I can get. And I guess our ending is as fitting as it could be. Be blessed <laughs> in the most chaotic way possible. And enjoy your coffee. <laughs>